Welcome to the Tossing Clubs Podcast. Next on the tee, your hosts, Frank Jang, Zach Moses, and Aaron Tan. Yo, what is up, everyone? This is another week of Tossing Clubs. I'm Frank, joined by Zach and Aaron. And this week, we got, man, one of my favorite guests, Mr. Peter Brown, instructor of Aimpoint Express, and really just enlightened me so much with this method. It's not just pointing fingers randomly into the distance. There's a method to the madness. Yeah, it feels almost criminal, like how much knowledge he dropped on us just for free i mean people charge for this stuff so that's so true yeah uh but what a great guy really enjoyed talking to him and really like you said aaron to share the knowledge uh so i found this to be one of our most interesting interviews so without further ado let's get into it today we're welcoming peter brown to the podcast uh aimpoint expert and uh, sounds like PE teacher and golf course. How you doing today, Peter? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, before we dive into the meat of everything, um, we're recording this on Monday, and we, the PGA Championship just finished yesterday, and wow, what a weekend. Um, man, where do we even start? How'd you feel about the tournament, Peter? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I actually liked Saturday the most. Uh, because you could see the challenge of that golf course, especially when the rough gets thick and wet like that. Um, yeah, the greens hold a little bit more, but they're still having to hit in like three woods, five woods from 260 yards. I mean, it's brings it back to kind of the normal guys. All of a sudden you go, oh, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, the cool thing also that we had a lot of was, uh, we had a lot of Aimpoint users in those final groups, like, uh, Victor Hovland, you could see him doing it pretty consistently. Uh, Justin Rose uses it as well. Um, Scotty Scheffler's caddy, uh, he reads pretty much every single putt. And if you watch him, he'll actually do the express read pretty much every time. So it's it's always fun to see that on TV, knowing that, hey, I had a piece in that. Yeah, for sure. I think one of my favorite moments was uh, yesterday, uh, Sunday, when Michael Block made that hole-in-one. He's playing with Rory, and he just slam dunks it. Um, I mean, what he did over the weekend was so impressive and made it look so easy as a, you know, as a professional how hard or easy do you think that is to go out there and do what he did? Unbelievably difficult. Um, if you've ever been on a range with tour players um, and you've seen what they do up close and how straight they hit it and all the shots that they have for a guy that's doing lessons and then he is able to go out there and compete at that level is it's pretty incredible. Um, years ago, I caddied for a friend of mine who was in the PGA, uh, club pro championship, and he had made it to the PGA championship a few times. And, uh, 
I was shocked at how good those guys are. Just even the top 50 or 100 club pro guys. But the tour players are on a completely different level even from them. So it was pretty impressive to see him be able to hold it together and and play as well as he did. Yeah, for sure. That I think that was the most impressive part for me is just like holding it together the whole time. You know, it's not just one lucky day where he's hot. It was the whole weekend playing with Rory, playing with the big names down the stretch. Like, yeah, that was super cool. I also think it's like incredible that golf can enable like a situation like this to happen. Like you'd never see this in basketball or football, right? There's not going to be some ex college player that goes out and like starts hitting threes against LeBron in the NBA finals, but like golf allowed this to happen, which was so, so cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And then obviously Brooks first live player to win a major and winning his fifth. I mean, what a guy. Yeah. Something um, I want to ask you, get your opinion on Pierre is the way he puts, he sets up off center and then it goes back on center every time. Do you recommend that for the average player? Um, I would not recommend that for the average player. Um, but what he does is that he is consistent. He does it every single time exactly the same way. And that, to be really honest, if you can do that with your putting, don't mess with it. Yeah. And that's sort of like the basis of aim point, right? So it's sort of like given the set criteria, it's like you know exactly where to aim. It's sort of like the same similar idea. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you the, the exact line that you want, depending on your speed, too. Uh, so we'll get into that later, but it's not just read alone. For sure. So, Peter, why don't you give us, uh, give us and the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, so I'm actually a school teacher. I've been a junior high teacher now for 25 years. Um, avid golfer. Uh, I used to work at a golf course in the area and I was just one of the cart guys and it was just an after school job so I could play free golf. Um, over the years, I would take golf trips with buddies and, uh, you know, played in a few of those amateur events like Sacramento is the state fair. I played in that. Uh, but really kind of where I got my start playing was at a local golf course here in Roseville. Um, I was probably not very good uh, because I didn't pick up golf until I was in college when I was a PE major. And I took a class and went, wow, this is awesome. And uh, so at that point, I, like I said, got the job at the golf course and that made a huge difference. Uh, I was able to hit balls whenever I wanted, was able to go out on the golf course and play whenever I wanted and play with good players. So that's kind of where golf started for me. As far as uh, other stuff, um, you know, I'm a huge Bandon Dunes freak. If you can see the uh, neon sign, unfortunately, I broke it. Nice. <laughs> but uh, Bandon Dunes holds a special place in my heart because um, it was one of the first golf resorts that I went to where I was like, this is amazing. This place is special. Um, so we'll talk more about that and its connection to Aimpoint. Uh, and then uh, as far as like more stuff about me, I've got a couple of boys. 
that are 18 and 19, and no, they don't like golf at this point. And then my wife is also a PE teacher. Uh, she will say, oh, I'm not a golfer because it's too slow. And I'll say, okay. So she just hasn't ever given it a shot. But that's okay. She's she's fine with that. She lets me have my own addiction. Yeah, it seems to be a rare occurrence that you get both partners being golf nuts. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't see that very often, every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and and then a little bit more about me. I actually, about a month ago, had fusion, back fusion surgery, uh, where they fused L4 and L5 together. So unfortunately, I've had to take, uh, I've been off of golf for since October. So we're looking at six, seven months. And uh, I'll be out from golf probably for another four to six months myself as well uh, yeah I, i'm not this i'm not training this lightly but is this the tiger woods surgery where they talk about back fusion yeah so what they did is they went in they go in put four screws in uh then what they do is they t pull the disc out and put a brand new disc in uh that is it's called a cage and then what happens is the bone will actually grow through the cage, and so you'll end up with one vertebrae. Wow, that's incredible. Um, do you know, is it because of playing too much golf? <laughs> Which uh, Is that the reason? Uh, that's part of it. So um, I'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy as far as like backyard goes. So I've redone our backyard a few times, uh, and then... Definitely golf contributed. And then what kind of put it over the edge was COVID. Uh, during COVID, being a teacher, we were teaching all online. So I was sitting for six hours a day for two years. And that just, that sent me over the edge. At that point, I couldn't couldn't play golf anymore. Jeez. Yeah, wow. Wishing you a speedy recovery. Um, Aaron, uh, sorry I cut you off. Yeah, no, um, definitely. I mean, Sounds like for the pod, at least we caught you at the perfect time. <laughs> but, uh, but so in terms of golf and coaching, so I believe you're a putting coach or, or just a golf coach in general. Um, so I only teach putting. I originally started with Aimpoint. Uh, that was in 2009. I actually saw it up at Bandon Dunes. Uh, a friend of mine was a caddy up there and he said, Pete, you got to see this chart this guy's got. And I went, what, what are you talking about? And he said, it's the blue line on the golf channel. And I was like, he's got a computer. No, he's got a chart. So we went out and played Bannon trails one afternoon. And, uh, he says, Hey, this guy's going to bring his, uh, his chart with him. He'll read all your putts today. And he proceeded to do that. And I was like, what is that chart? I need to see that. <laughs> so at that point, I took a look at it. Um, and I can even pull one out here in a little bit. Uh, took one look at it and said, I need to know more about this. Uh, because to be honest, there was no way for anyone to teach you how to read a green. It was always, you'd ask your golf pro, how do you read greens? How do I get better at this? And they're like, you just got to go do it. What? He said, no, that, that can't be right. There's got to be more to this. You guys have TrackMan uh, at the time. 
I mean, you're getting all these crazy numbers and you're able to tell what someone's doing without even watching them and just looking at numbers. Said, so how is there nothing like that for putting and green reading? Until aim point, there really wasn't. Hmm. And I mean, that coaching path has kind of led you to, I, I think you've worked with some big names in the pro golf space and the college space, right? Yeah. So as of 2009, uh, I took the class with Mark Sweeney. He's the inventor of Aimpoint. And at that point, it was a three-hour class, and it was super difficult to, to follow because there was a lot of information. Um, and about a year later, Mark asked me, he goes, why haven't you asked to become an a, uh, instructor? I said, well, I'm not a PGA member. He said, I'm not a PGA member either. I'm just a computer guy. And so at that point, I got certified. And at that point, uh, we had this kid in the area, Cameron Champ. And I went out and played in a scramble with Cameron and his dad. And his dad just so happened to be a friend of my father-in-law's. And so he was like, hey, can you come and work with Cameron on his putting and his green reading? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So that was about... 2011 or 12 and we worked for a couple of years on and off and then um, at that point we were still using the chart and the chart was pretty difficult like a lot of tour players didn't want to have anything to do with it they were like yeah that's like flying an airplane I don't need that and in that in that space of time, about a three-year space of time, from then till 2014, we came up with Aimpoint Express. And it was kind of a, an accident that it uh, was invented. Mark was in Louisiana with a couple of coaches and some kids. And they were like, how do we teach these kids how to read greens that are eight years old uh, without letting them learn this chart? And so they started with thumbs and then someone said, well, what about fingers? And it was off to the races at that point. Um, Adam Scott picked it up in December of 2013. He used it at Kapalua. And all of a sudden, it was like the phone started ringing. Uh, you know, I need to see more about this. What's going on here? So funny story. Um I met Ansel Hoffman, this golf course, it's a local area, and a lot of the really good players play out of there. And this caddy, John Wood, who's a local guy, who's caddied on tour for 20 years plus, uh, he says, hey, you know, we're going to do a match. Uh, it's going to be Cameron Champ and this other kid, uh, John Catlin. And I'm going to have you come in and read a few putts. And... First thing he calls me in on was a 40-footer for Cameron. And uh, I read the whole thing. I say it's six inches outside right on this 40-footer, just good speed. He jars it. And Woody is standing there like, and I have video of this. It's hilarious. Woody is like, what was that? That was crazy. We go to the next screen. He calls me in again. Same thing happens. Calls me in on a big old huge slider for uh, John, and it goes in. And he's, I think at that point, sold. So he handed me his card. He's like, I'll be in contact. So a couple weeks later, he calls me. He says, when can I get a lesson? 
And uh, I said, you know, whenever you're available, it's got to be after school, though. So <laughs> I meet up with him and Isaac Sanchez from the big break. And uh, we go for a couple hours and I show him how it works. And he's like, can you show Hunter how to do this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I'd say a few weeks later, uh, I got together with him and Hunter Mahan. And at that point, you know, he started using it pretty much religiously that year. Um, he ended up playing really well in the FedEx Cup. In fact, he won the Barclays that year. And he was on the cover of Golf Magazine, you know, with the fingers up. And it was like, that was crazy. So in that year, though, I started working with uh, well, Hunter, uh, John Wood, Joe Scavron, who was actually a caddy for Ricky Fowler at the time. He flew up from Southern California, and we worked for a day. At that point, um, he was in as well. Then I worked with uh, Jason Duffner that year of the uh, Waste Management in 2014. Worked with, uh, who else was it? Uh, Mackenzie Hughes and his caddy. Mackenzie was not really as interested, but uh, Daryl, his caddy, who's actually a local Bay Area kid, uh, loved it. And I had worked with him when he was a younger junior player, and so he was all in on it as well. Um, and then Ted Scott and John Yarborough. Ted Scott, when he was with Bubba, I worked with him at Pebble just for a couple hours, and we we worked basically on zeros and ones for two hours. He's, he goes, Pete, Bubba's got the big breakers. He doesn't need that. He calls me in on straight putts, and I better be able to get the direction correct and the amount correct. And I said, okay, we can do that. That's, that's not a problem at all. So we literally spent that two-hour period of time working on feeling balance and being able to read putts that are so close to straight that it's hard for um, for tour players to pick it up even with their eyes. They just can't see it because it's so subtle. But our bodies know it immediately. When you get off balance, you know which side you're falling to. Uh, and then Scott Stallings' caddy, John Yarborough, was on Hunter's Bag uh, in 2015. And I started working with him, and he sends me people all the time as well. Wow, and then it's as far as co college teams. <laughs> I know the college teams, like UCLA men's and women's coaches, and some players, uh, the Cal men's team, and uh, their coaches came up in January and worked with me. Uh, TCU women's coaches, B Boise State, um, BYU. I mean, it's it's almost hard to keep track of all the schools. So it, it's been a fun ride, wow, though. That is incredible. Uh, first question that came to my mind, can we get a lesson on Amboy Express? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can do lessons, even though I can't swing a golf club. I'm going to be, be able to start doing lessons here in June. Wow, fantastic. Um, um, more yeah, of a serious so question, We can definitely though. set that up. Um, what about... What's the main difference between Aimpoint and Aimpoint Express, and why is Express so much easier to grasp? I'll show you. Give me just one second. Oh, I love it. Demonstration. Oh, yeah. 
I just got to pull one out. So here's the difference. So this is the chart. And the chart, if you take a look at it, it has it's like a bullseye dartboard. Yeah. yeah. So it's got all the, the numbers on it. And those rings basically will tell you how much break to play, depending on the speed of the green, the percent slope that you're rolling it across, and then how is it relative to a straight putt. Okay, those are all easy things for certain people to get. Uh, but the vast majority of them don't want to pull this out because that'll freak them out in tournament play. Slows them down. According to some players, they were like, I can't do it. It slows me down. The difference between that and literally fingers and feeling it with your body is like night and day. Now, the advantage that Aimpoint has, though, is that it is all based on that science. So when you see fingers go up, what that means is that they're rolling across a 2% slope. Um, the distance away that those hands get is dependent on either green speed or the speed that that player likes to use. Because like Bubba was a really good example. Ted goes, he doesn't like seeing the ball go past the hole. It freaks him out. He drips it right in over the edge. So we got to adjust to his speed. We can't shove him into a speed. Um, and so that was the other advantage to express was it allowed us to kind of tailor it to those players. Mm. So what we see on tour, it's mostly Aimpoint Express then, right? Not if any uses actual uh, the original Aimpoint. Uh, you'll see guys that will have the charts uh, in their pocket every once in a while in the last couple of years. Although when the green books got changed, so they couldn't have as much detail with the green books, the charts kind of disappeared a little bit with those as well. Um, yeah, so I'd say 99% of what you see on TV is Aimpoint Express. So Peter, um, I, I know a lot of our listeners are pretty new to golf, and I think Aimpoint is sometimes under like a confusing thing like at a very basic like let's take a step back level like what is a person doing when they like stand over a putt they throw their fingers up like what are kind of like the basic mechanics of, of aim point yeah so we break it up into uh, the read portion and then the aim portion and the read portion is them walking up on their line um, they a lot of times will straddle the line and all they're doing is trying to feel what is happening there. And I've taught it to my boys and my wife and they're like, this is it. This is, that's all it is. Uh, yeah. So we teach people how to basically put a number on their feel. Once they're done with getting, you know, two or three feels, they go back to their ball. They hold up their fingers. Let's say that they are on a three side tilt or they felt three they'll go back they hold up their fingers put it somewhere on the cup and then at that point it gives them a distance outside the cup how far it's going to be and it, it can be you know a quarter inch outside it could be inside the cup but i've seen it out there as far as like 15 feet on a 20 foot putt so i guess if if i go up and i feel a three and then I put my hand or fingers up. Is that to basically confirm that my feeling is also like how it should look? Yeah, it 
So what the three will do is give them an actual aim point. So a lot of players, when they step up to, and I see this in students all the time that come up and see me uh, for a putting lesson, I'll say, okay, show me how you read a green. A lot of them, they can't describe it at all. Or they're kind of going back and forth between a couple of different variations. And I'll say, okay, what if I give you a point where at that point you start the ball at straight and let gravity take over. That's what aim point does for them is it gives them that exact point out there next to the cup. That makes sense. And then I guess, um, how would it differ from like short putts to long putts? So like, I guess that kind of makes sense to me from like, you know, five to 10 feet or something. But then if I'm 40 feet away and maybe there's like multiple breaks, how are you kind of putting that all together? Yeah. So with, the putts that we do inside of four feet, actually kind of five feet, we tell them to memorize uh, the amount of break. And they'll, we do that in a class where we'll show them how much break there's going to be. And we move the tees in and out to show them, hey, depending on the speed of the green, your tees might be out further. And so you're going to have to play a little more break. So they don't even use their fingers on four four and five foot putts. They don't need to. Once you get into the kind of makeable putts of 16 to 20 feet, uh, that's where Aimpoint Express makes a huge difference. Uh, this is why it's so important to the tour players is because they're like, we need to make more birdies at that distance. Uh, as well as they don't want to have to stand out on that putting green forever and you know grind away. They want to have something that's repeatable and they know it works so they don't have to stand out there forever they can work on speed or they can work on start line and not have to worry about how much break are we playing on this um and then as far as uh, double breaking putts what's funny is a lot of double breaking putts usually involve the green all sloping in one direction and very rarely will we get putts that go one way and then go an op opposite way. Uh, what we do on that, though, is we teach them how to read it right in the middle, go back to your ball, and uh, it gives you an aim. But I, I had an instructor one, one year who said, well, I don't need to know about how to do double breaking putts because I know if I'm doing that, I need to work on my irons. I said, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. So it's kind of like you touched on this earlier, but it's kind of like how it nowadays with the full swing with chipping and everything, it's down to such a science with, you know, slow-mo video recording and everything. People have all the angles and everything is just analyzed down to the millisecond. And with putting it, it's always, I guess, traditionally been more of a feel thing, but now it's kind of a, attempt it's been a successful attempt at making it a science so that you can actually really it's not just a feel thing it's kind of like it's like it's based on something concrete yeah and you know players will sometimes say well i don't see the point up by the hole i want to see the path that it takes and we can teach them how to see that path uh, we can also say well i don't want to see it up by the hole i want to work on my start line off of that. And that's kind of where we'll say, okay, well now you can hold up your putter 
look down that aim line and then find a spot on the green that's just in front of you. And now they're using that start line instead of something way out in the distance. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, that kind of goes for putting instruction as a whole, though. Uh, it was, for a long time, you just got to go out and do it and feel it. It's so artistic. There is definitely artistic feel to it. Um, but I've spent time with some of the best putting coaches in the world, like David Orr. And David, like I went to a conference that he uh, held back in North Carolina, and he spent three days talking about putting. And he could have talked for three weeks. Um, and it was a lot. And I went, wow, there's way more to this than just step up and make a make the pendulum swing. That's that's pretty much what I've heard with putting instruction from the majority of instructors throughout my teaching. Oh, I man, I'm so interested in this because if I just you know, reduce my number of puts per round from 40 down to something reasonable, right? Reduce those three puts. It's, I mean, that's like saving off penalty strokes, shaving off uh, bad drives. It's worth just as much. Um, was it, do I have this right? I think even Brooks Kepka tried aim point at some point in time, and he's like the ultimate field player. And at the PGA, I think it was know that Justin Thomas has started using it. Do you just foresee in the future, uh, putting instruction is going to go from field to aim point, and that is how mostly everyone's just going to learn it. Um, you're going to see more and more tour players using it uh, because the college kids have all learned it. Uh, a lot of the college coaches are requiring them to come and see one of us uh, because they want them to know how to do it. They don't want to have to teach them. Uh, when those kids continue to move up into the pro ranks, you're going to see a lot more players that, I mean, they're using it because it works. Um, as far as field players like Brooks and Justin Thomas and those guys, a lot of times they're resistant to fingers. They don't want to hold fingers up because they like, they're like, I look different. So you're making more putts. Well, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, some of the critics of Aimpoint slash Aimpoint Express is, yeah, it's causes slow play and it looks poorly on tv uh, does it actually you know cause slow play no no um even in a lot of tournaments like if you watch there was a hole that uh, victor hovland was on yesterday with brooks coming up off the fairway and victor was already up at his ball and he was reading his putt before brooks even got to the to the green and it, the the read really should only take about 15 seconds to do. You should walk up on the line, feel it, feel it, go back to your ball, and you can do that while other people are kind of milling around or they're walking the circle. Um, and you can be done and just kind of standing around waiting a lot of times. And then stand up over your ball, flash whatever number you need to, to do, and you got your target. Sounds like most of the it's really like a lot of upfront work where you're training your body to feel exactly what slope it is to the you know degree or whatever it is, and then once you have that ingrained in yourself, then you just go out and make the fifteen second read every time and you're good. 
Yeah, and in a class, so if you come and see me for an aim point lesson, that's what we spend the first probably half an hour on, is just learning the different feels, and not necessarily just in your feet. It can be anywhere within your body, your low back, your knees. Um, I usually will say, I'm going to teach you three ways to read the, these putts. There's going to be uh, the first kind of traditional way. There's a second way with that has knee bend, which is more mechanical way. And then the third way is kind of that fine tuning when you've got straight putts. Uh, we'll teach them, you know, basically let your body get off balance and your body will catch you. The ball's going to go the same way. I want to ask, does aim point express change if you like to have the whole, the ball die in the hole or have it go a couple of feet past? Um, yes. So that's where that difference between the hand being really close to your face or being further away that's the speed factor. Is that also like dependent on like a stint meter, like different green speeds? You'd be kind of moving your hands back and forth based on if it's a fast or a slow green? Yep. You're not? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of times I won't even talk about stint meter readings with players, even the tour players, because really it doesn't make any difference. Um, because really what we're trying to do for them is say, okay, this is the speed you like to see the ball going in at. We don't need to worry about whether it's an 8 or a 12 stamp. Uh, we just want to kind of match it up to what feels good for you. I'm looking at a strokes gain putting this season. Maverick McNeely, number one. Uh, Max Homa, number five. So proof is in the pudding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So who do you think... I was going to ask, who do you think could benefit from learning Aimpoint and incorporating it? The answer might be everyone. Well, yeah, I think that's a good it question is. because I'm a high handicap. Do I really need to be out there holding my fingers up at the local municipal course? Um, if you can do it quickly, yeah. It's, not that, it's really not that difficult. Um, because a lot of times what high handicap players do is they just kind of look over at the hole and say, I'm just going to hit it and get it as close as I can. Now, if you at least have a method to be able to do it quickly, you can step up there and you can get it really close pretty easily. Yeah, it's almost like even if you're not going to be sinking 40 footers all the time, you'll at least be able to lag it up real close, you know, a lot more often. Yeah, it actually sounds like it's probably the most beneficial for high handicappers because the method to reading greens right now, like you said, yeah, it looks left to right. You know, if I imagine water being poured on this green, yeah, it's left to right. But it's, yeah, it's all uh, a crapshoot most of the time. So oh, yeah. that's really uh, good to know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is useful for every level player. And I, I have kids as young as six years old that come and learn it. And we don't even talk about numbers with them. We just say, okay, is it a lot of break or a little bit of break? Are you flat or are you like standing on a side all the way up to, I mean, obviously PGA tour players, you better, you better be worth your money because if you give them a wrong answer there, you're fired. You're walking <laughs> in by yourself. So is it like a, is it like a one lesson and then you have all the tools you need to work on it, you know the theory now, or is it something you have to, you know, 
take a series of months of lessons to learn. No, that's, that's the nice thing about it. Um, and you'll see that with a lot of the instructors. If you go to aimpointgolf.com, um, when you go and see an instructor, you can literally see them one time and get the information. And we always back it up with notes. So we register you into our program and you get a set of written notes that'll kind of give you reminders. So I've got a lot of people that come in once they're like, yep, this is all I need. And they're good. Um, I've got other players that they come up, they'll take aim point one, get the concepts, go back, come back, you know, a couple months later and say, Hey, I need some more. Let's fine tune this, uh, again, come back. And then, you know, that third lesson is usually kind of the end. You don't need to have a whole bunch more than that. Uh, even for the top level players, uh, because you know, you just get used to the system. It just gets ingrained. Yeah. It's really just like everything that you've been doing already instinctively and just making it putting numbers to it so that you can just a hundred percent depend on it every time yeah no that's exactly what it is um beyond aim point just thinking about putting generally uh as like a putting coach are there certain drills that you you recommend that you like most like if for for higher handicaps should they be out there practicing their three footers all the time is it more about lag putting what are kind of other types of things that you're thinking about as a, as a putting coach so putting really breaks down into uh three kind of basic categories you got to be a good green reader to be a good putter if you don't know what direction it's going that's that's difficult you got to be good at speed or distance control knowing how far is the ball going uh, and then the third one which kind of involves aim as well, is start line. If you can get your ball started on the line that you're intending to get it on with good speed and you've read it correctly, uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, as far as drills go, a lot of the drills will be tailored to those three things and trying to perform at being good at, and consistent at those. So do you feel like uh, the most people, the most opportunity for most amateurs is actually just with putting, uh, or do you feel like from your clients that are non-professionals, uh, it, it's in their putting is okay. Because I guess like, I mean, you can only get so good at putting so much because you might be reading everything right. And sometimes it's just, it just doesn't go in and everything was right. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to be a good ball striker too. You got to be able to, you know, eliminate penalties. Uh, so you got to drive the ball pretty well. Um, and then as, as far as you got to get the irons close. So what I mean by close is, you know, you want to be on the part of the green that at least gives you an opportunity to two putt and maybe make a one putt every once in a while. Um, and then if you're able to get up and down, by getting it closer, let's say into that six foot circle, and you're able to one putt instead of two putt, that makes a big difference. So it's not just putting that you got to be good at, you got to kind of be good at yeah. everything or consistent. Gotcha. And then, um, do you also help with the putting stroke? 
I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So after all the years of uh, doing aim point clinics at clubs, and I would ask the pros to come out and say, hey, can you work with so-and-so? Uh, you know, they're struggling with their putting strokes. I, And I hope this doesn't come off as a knock, but I always heard almost the exact same thing. Okay, we're going to make a triangle. We're going to putt with the big muscles and make it like a pendulum. And I went, what? Okay, there's there's way more to this than than just that. Uh, so at that point, that's when I went and visited David Orr back in North Carolina, and I spent more time with Sweeney and some other top-level putting coaches. And it was like a lot of people are missing the boat on how much stuff is affected by, let's say, the shape of your putter, how much toe hang it has, how much, what does it weigh? Uh, does it match your feel? So, yes, I, I've branched out into all parts of putting instruction because there's kind of a lack of it, right, at this time. Yeah. So, also, I, I mean, this is for my friend, but if they wanted to reach out to you, how would they do so? So the best way to do that is to go to um, aimpointgolf.com and find an instructor like I'm in California. Um, there's a couple of us in California, and you'll see there will be different levels. Uh, level one, two, three, four, I think goes up to five now. Uh, the different levels just signify how long have we been with the company, um, how many lessons have we done, what level players have we worked with. Um, and you click on like my button and at that point it'll send you to uh, a page with my contact information. My websites are, they're a little weak at this point. <laughs> Actually, they're terrible. Nice. Nice. Well, before we sign off, wanted to ask you Bandon. So the Bandon trip is something none of us have done. Um, but it seems like I know seems like you know almost everyone or at least everyone that's super into golf it's on their bucket list or they've done it already tell us is it worth the hype and man like how often are you going up there um so the first time we went up there was 2002 i went up with a group of four guys in fact one of the four guys that i went with he said, I'm quitting everything. I'm coming back up here to be a caddy. And a year later, he did. He broke up with his girlfriend, dropped out of school, went up and was a caddy for until 2012. Um, and he was like, this place is amazing. So I've been up, I think, 11 times since then. Um, I've gone up there in Memorial Day weekend. We used to go every couple of years at Memorial Day. I've been in the middle of July. I've been at Thanksgiving a couple of times. I've been, um, what was it, April or March. I think I've been at that time a couple of times. Uh, it is well worth it. Um, there's there's very few places like Bandon Dunes, and I've been to, like, Kiowa Island is pretty cool. Obviously, Pebble and those courses are awesome in this area but bandon is golf and that's it um 
You know, you basically wipe yourself out for a day walking 36 or 45 or 54 holes. You go and eat and drink and then hit the bed and you're out. And the next thing you know, it's morning time, time to get on your rain gear and go back out again. Do you play every every course when you go up there or are there a couple you'd recommend over the other ones? What's funny is it changes every time. So the first time that I, that I went up, it was just Bandon Dunes and Pacific Dunes. And hands down, Pacific Dunes was better of the two. The next time I went up was a few years later and uh, there was trails there was the 10 hole loop of old mcdonald there was uh obviously uh pacific and bandon and all of a sudden i was like bandon is the the golf course this one's way better and then the next time i went up it was old mcdonald oh this is spectacular and then it was trails um and then sheep ranch and sheep ranch you know if you've heard the story, it started out as basically a spot that you would go and pay a hundred bucks at a gate. They'd let you in. You'd go play for as long as you want and, uh, and then close the gate on your way out and leave. Well, now it's their, I think, fifth or sixth golf course. And uh, so that's a pretty good one as well. But I'm still, I'm like old McDonald and Bannon Trails are my favorite right now. Sounds like we got to play all of them. <laughs> you do. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, and I'm probably one of only a few players. I'm not a huge fan of the par three golf course. I mean, it's gorgeous, but if you're going to play, I want to hit driver. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not hitting driver there unless it's really windy. Uh, and then you've got the, there's a nine hole course on the driving range that a lot of people don't know about that's free. You know, you go out there and you bring a couple of beers and a couple of clubs, and it's fun. Like, my family's played it, my boys and wife. Uh, and then you have the punch bowl, and the punch bowl's pretty awesome as well. Man, one thing that scares me about it is uh, hearing stories about, you know, you plan this whole trip. You, you got to book it, like, what, two years in advance now or something, and then you show up, and it's, like, gale winds, and it's, like, a freaking hurricane like has that happened to you um yes yes uh we were up there at thanksgiving one year i got my whole family my extended family to go up and there were 20 of us we stayed at a house off property and i went out and played in the pouring down rain with my son carrying my bag for me and it was awesome though so the thing with bandon is you almost are disappointed if it's not brutally like windy and rainy um, because you get like a gold star almost at the end of you made it, you did it. Um, and I played it in all different conditions. So yeah, kind of okay, doesn't okay. matter. So it's kind of like part of the experience then it shouldn't be something like a scary thing. no, no, and you can play, like, I play with my buddies when I go up there that are, they're like 18, 15, 18 handicaps, and I'm like a two, and we all play the same tees, and you just don't worry about any of that. You don't worry about, oh, I'm going to play the back tees. You play the tees that you feel like are appropriate for you, 
and nobody judges you. Yeah, sounds like we got to make this trip happen as soon as possible. <laughs> you do. You do. It's really good. All right. Well, Peter, thank you so much uh, for your time and for bestowing your knowledge of Aimpoint upon us and the listeners. Um, I, I had a great time. No, thank you guys for having me on. I, Like I said, I've been around since almost the beginning of Aimpoint, and I've seen all kinds of changes. Um, instructors come and go. It's it, It's really been a fun ride. So I like sharing the information. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like, I mean, at, at least one of us, or if not all of us, might hit you up for a lesson at some point. <laughs> you should. You should. It uh, Any level, it's going to improve definitely, you. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Peter. 